welcome to the West Cheltenham podcast. We want to see communities and places buzzing with the extraordinary presence of Jesus. Join us live on YouTube every Sunday at 10.30am. We really hope you enjoy this message. That's a great story, isn't it? A great Sunday school story. And Anybody remember that action song? Zacchaeus was a very little man. And it's okay, I'm not going any further. And, and I apologize if now I've got that tune in your brain and you're going to be singing it all day long. Um, I'm always surprised, though, when you read such a familiar Bible story and then on prayer for reflection, you can find something still new and fresh and relevant. Um, and so it was with this story for me when I first prepared this sermon. A few years ago, I have to admit, the message that was drawn out for me was all about seeing, how we see other people and being seen ourselves. And after the talk I gave last week, in which I briefly touched on that whole idea of seeing as Jesus sees, I thought it was appropriate to use this sermon from my archive to fill in this morning at short notice. So here's Zach, a little man. He can't see past the crowds and he's watching from a tree and amongst all the crowds that are gathered that day and in the hubbub pressing around him, Jesus looked up and spied Zach. Now that word translated looked up is also used for received sight. It was it as if Jesus had been given a special sight to see right through the multitudes of people and even the barrier of the leaves that obscured Zach, and he looked straight at the little man. He looked up and saw Zach and spoke with him, inviting himself for tea. But the crowd, what did they see? First of all, I wonder if they saw him at all. Certainly didn't acknowledge him or let the little man through to the front, But when Jesus drew attention to him, now what did they see? The crowd saw and muttered. They saw a wealthy tax collector, and what's more, a collaborator with the Romans, the occupiers, a traitor, a perceived cheat. Some likely saw and felt superior and disdainful. Some saw and probably felt aggrieved at having been taken advantage of. And all, muttering amongst themselves, likely felt jealous of the attention given him by Jesus and despised the sinner that was Zach. A few years back, I led a children's Good Friday service and we made spectacles out of cardboard and different coloured lenses um, I sadly had to eat my way through a number of quality streets to be able to get the, collect the coloured cellophane wrappers to make them. That's a hard life. We were thinking about the different characters in the Easter story and how they perceived what was going on. The crowds when Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey, seeing through rose-tinted spectacles. The Jewish leaders seeing through green lenses of jealousy. Judas betraying Jesus, seeing through gold spectacles of greed. The disciples watching through yellow lenses of fear. Pilate through the purple lens of pride. And the crowd turning and seeing through the red lens of anger. 
we too can have our view of the world and more particularly the way we see other people affected by our attitudes and our prejudices as though looking through coloured lenses. And likewise, the crowd in this story saw Zach through eyes that were judgmental, aggrieved and jealous. They didn't see as Jesus saw. That's a wonderful verse in 1 Samuel, when Samuel's choosing which of Jesse's sons to anoint for king, as king. And it says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. When Jesus looked, he saw straight to the heart, to who Zach was. And he affirmed Zach's identity as a true son of Abraham, Not just acknowledging Zacchaeus' Jewishness, but actually that the true son, the Greek phrase, there's a nuance there that talks about resembling the nature of. It emphasizes the likeness and conformity of life. So Jesus is publicly declaring that Zac was indeed a man after the heart of Abraham, whom the crowds would know as a man of deep faith and righteousness. Jesus didn't just see the outward appearance of a man who collaborated with the Romans and accumulated wealth at the expense of others. He saw the heart of the man which had been conditioned and molded by circumstances and experiences through his life that had led to this moment. Jesus saw him through eyes of compassion and love, as we spoke about briefly last week. I mentioned last week a verse in Luke's gospel, be compassionate as God is compassionate. It's the words of Jesus that he's sort of taken an Old Testament phrase, be holy as God is holy, and just twisted it, developed it maybe. The implication is that compassion is the outward expression of holiness. We need to see with eyes of compassion like Jesus did. Compassion like holiness that comes through a developing relationship with our Heavenly Father and seeking more of his spirit in our lives to bring out the family likeness. Compassion, not just empathy, which of course is good, understanding the other's feelings, but compassion goes a step further in responding to those feelings. It literally means suffering with compassion. It's so easy, isn't it, to see others as the crowd saw Zacchaeus, to look only at the outward appearance and behavior and be judgmental or take offense. But this story encourages us to look beyond the obvious, to remove the colored spectacles, perhaps replace them with kingdom spectacles, or even give our eyes some restorative laser treatment to allow our eyes to come under the scrutiny of the light of Christ. We may need to experience prayerful healing ourselves to remove the veil, the colored lens from our eyes, to be set free from our own hurt, our prejudice, our fear or pride, our unforgiveness. I was challenged as I wrote this a few years back by a ring on the doorbell, and there was a young man selling dishcloths. He said he was part of a young offenders project. Now, I'd been warned about such things, uh, often a scam that goes around the country and you can get taken advantage of. It would have been so easy to just see only that and dismiss him and shut the door, build up another layer of rejection. 
but instead I took a moment to look beyond, to attempt to see with compassionate eyes, to engage him in conversation and discover something of his humanity. And what did I see? He's a lad made in the image of God with potential for great goodness, who may have made mistakes, but who wants to make good. To see with compassionate eyes, to see as Jesus sees. You could even go a step further and follow the example of Mother Teresa, who saw each as if she was seeing Jesus. Her scriptural mantra being, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. Let's turn around for a moment and consider the one being seen. Zach wanted to see Jesus. The word translated also means, by implication, to know. Zach wanted to know Jesus, probably wanted to know what all the fuss was about. Rumours of this prophet and the stories of his healing and dealings with people had been spreading like wildfire. Zach, too, wanted to see and to know. He must have known how he was perceived by others, by their treatment of him. It must have been a lonely existence. And in wanting to see and know Jesus, was Zach himself expressing a yearning to be known? Having heard the stories of Jesus mixing with sinners and holding the cause of the frowned upon, I wonder if Zach came barely daring to hope, yet with a sense of anticipation and excitement that maybe, just maybe, Jesus might acknowledge him. There was certainly no way he was going to stand, just stand at the back of the crowd and let Jesus pass by without seeing him for himself. But being a little man, he couldn't see, and so he climbs a tree. And there is still a tree in Jericho. If you visit, the tradition claims that it's the actual tree that Zach hid in, though it's more likely a seedling from the original tree. It's a popular tourist stop for photos. And you can see how easy it would be to climb into the lower branches and how the leaves would hide you. And I wonder if it was a deliberate choice for Zach to try to find somewhere where he could see without being seen. I wonder if some of us can identify with that feeling at one time or another, perhaps triggered by different feelings, maybe due to anxiety or fear, rejection, maybe shame or unworthiness, perhaps even pride or detachment, and more likely a combination of many of those emotions. I admit to a, a period of time when I was a student, um, I started to attend Canterbury Cathedral. I wanted to go to church, but I didn't want to engage with people. I think I was aware that my lifestyle at the time didn't really reflect my faith, and I was probably afraid and ashamed and wanted to keep a low profile. And the cathedral offered me that space to go and be unknown and to hide whilst at the same time worshipping. But you can't hide from Jesus. I didn't stay there long. He sorted me out. Um, God knows where to find us. Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? One could think that that sounds intimidating or threatening, a bit like Big Brother watching you, checking up on you. But it's not meant to be like that. Remember, God is holy, and holiness expressed in compassion. God's gaze is not that of accusation, but of compassion. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. He sees you and knows you and loves you and understands you 
and welcomes you, even when we feel the need to hide. Zach tried to see without being seen, but Jesus looked up and saw straight to him, straight to the heart of him. And how did he react when truly seen, when looked upon with compassion and unconditional love, without judgment or condemnation? How does that make us feel? For Zach, there's an immediate transformation. Instead of hiding, he hastens into the limelight, filled with gladness and rejoicing, welcoming Jesus to his home and taking restorative action. It's an overwhelming response, isn't it? A desire to please, to put things right, to be made new, to repent. It's as if all his defenses, that protective exterior that he'd probably hidden behind for years, just melted away. There was no need to hide anymore because someone, Jesus, had seen him as he was and accepted him. And the heart that Jesus had seen poured forth a love Sorry, and the heart that Jesus has seen poured forth a love that had just been poured in. Look, Lord, he shouts, literally behold, and he invites Jesus to look at him, to see, to know him more, no longer wanting to hide. He now has a confidence to stand tall despite his lowly stature. It's as if he wants to be transparent before the Lord and to wear his heart on his sleeve for all to see. The verses at the end of 139 say, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There's a transparency here before God. To be transparent is risky. We make ourselves vulnerable. And it's really only possible and wise if we're secure in who we are, in our identity. Jesus had been quick to affirm Zach's identity, a true son of Abraham. And similarly, Jesus wants us to be affirmed in our identity as adopted children of God. Do you remember those verses? I think they're in Romans. I should have looked them up. Um, "The, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The more we feel secure in our identity in Christ as a beloved child of God, the easier it is to live a transparent life, free from fear, shame, anger, pride, and all those besetting sins that seek to blind us and hide us. And the more secure we are in our identity, the easier it is also to make ourselves vulnerable to one another and to deepen the relationships between ourselves. So remember who and whose you are. But today, as we consider seeing others with the eyes of Christ, the eyes of compassion, I also encourage you to apply that same phrase to others. Remember who and whose they are. Everyone we meet is created by God in the image of God, with a heart in need of God. Look at the person next to you, behind you, or in front of you. They are created by God, in the image of God, with a heart made for God, 
So let us each seek to see each other with compassionate eyes, slow to judge, slow to dismiss, slow to take offense, quick to understand, quick to forgive, and quick to serve. Amen. And we'll lead now into our confession before we'll sing again. So if you can have the words on the screen, please. Those words that I spoke earlier from Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so a moment of quiet as we reflect before God, any attitudes or anything else that we need to confess before him. And then we say together, Lord God, we have sinned against you. We have done wrong in your sight. We are sorry and repent. Have mercy on us according to your love. Wash away our wrongdoing and cleanse us from our sin. Renew a right spirit within us and restore us to the joy of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, head to westchelt.org.uk or search West Chelt across social media. We love you. We can't wait to see you again.